0: Nice. First observation. Uh, great to be with you all here. I like it. There's no clock, so I have no idea, you know, so if I just go on and on. Thank you, brother. No, I just look over the top of you. Okay, no. <laughs> no, truly, uh, great to be with you all. Again, my name is uh, Brian Holmquist. Um just show you a picture of my family up here. I think I have that. We work with um, what has commonly been called New Tribes Mission We recently had a name change. Nothing else changed but our name. We thought it was maybe. It just, for multiple reasons, wasn't super relevant uh, to the time. And so we went ahead and changed it. There's my family, and I'll just talk for a little bit. Uh, When I called, uh, talked to Paul this week, Paul called me, and we we tag-teamed a little bit. Uh, I asked him, I said, hey, tell me, do you have any requests? And it was beautiful. uh, The one thing that your pastor advised me. And, no, truly, no, you're going to chuckle. Like, where is this going to go? It was awesome. He says, Brian... It's great, you know, really feel this is what the Lord would have for us this week. But he said, bring the Word. Bring the Word. And I thought, man, that's the kind of church I want to go to. Please let me come. So thank you for the privilege. You know, I went through a, a unnamed place, a spiritual life week, uh, not long ago. And I was participating and I, and I reflected afterwards. After one week of spiritual life week, we only opened God's Word one time. And I thought that was a shame. Because without this here... We have nothing. We have no foundation. So thank you, Paul, Pastor Paul, for, for, again, keeping that before us here. Um, I just feel today, I feel like there's a lot running through my mind, a lot of things I want to share, and I would like to pause. I would like to acknowledge that this is not uh, my sermon. I have nothing to say. I just want to give it back to the Lord. And I think there's freedom when collectively we can just say, okay, God, this is yours. So join with me in your hearts in prayer, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, this day has been ordained by you before the creation of the world, and uh, you knew that each one of us would be here, and so God, we ask that you would be the one that would provide the food that is more than sufficient from your word to satisfy us, not just for now, but in the days and weeks and months to come, the years to come. And so, gracious Heavenly Father, I just ask um, that your, the power of your spirit will be with us today. We know you are present But that your power, God, that you'd meet us in the the presence of our neediness and propel us forward to what you have for our lives, because as we sang this morning, we're but a flower, we're but a wave of the ocean here today, gone tomorrow, and God, we do not want to waste our time on the temporal. So take us deeper into yourself, magnify your name today, may this time we have together be about you, gracious Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. And so... Maybe I'll start today before I tell you a little bit about um, where we're going to go in God's Word. Just just a little story. Uh, I want to thank you on behalf of my family for praying for my son. And you'll see that my son, who was extremely, extremely ill, is right here. His name is Cade. And so he's my 14-year-old. Carson is 13. He's with us today. Uh, My oldest son is a student at Southwest Baptist University in Missouri. And he's 19. And then my daughter is all but 18. And so uh, there they are. But after about a year and a half being sick, and here's sort of the backdrop, after going to Papua New Guinea in 2001, and it is not New Guinea, uh, Guinea is in Africa, it is Papua New Guinea, which is just north of Australia. And so the Lord sent us over there in 2001 as church planners, which means we go in, we learn the people's language, culture, do literacy, translate, etc., all those things eventually building the church and so on the back side of that 2015, we came home for what we believed to be a normal furlough. We were coming back here, and all of a sudden, and I'm sure you can relate to this, we just started having tuggings at our heart that God was leading in a different direction. And we fought Him. We said, God, no, we want to go back to Papua New Guinea... You know, send someone to the place that you're kind of, you know, leading us to here in the States. We want to go back. And God said, I didn't ask them to go. I asked, I asked you to go to Missouri is specifically what it was. We said, no, God, fourth time, we backed away. We said, okay, God, we're not going to say yes. We're just going to let go of Papua New Guinea, the people, the ministry, everything that was very dear to us. And God said, okay. And he took it from us. And re- redirected us. It's 2015. And we set our sights for going to Missouri, which is where New Tribes Mission has their main training center. And so me having been a school teacher, having some experience in church planning, they felt a good fit would be to train new church planters. And so we set our sail for going there, simultaneous with a prayer that God put on our heart. My wife and I very distinctly had a prayer that we felt God asking us to pray. Very simple. Increase our faith. And as we started to pray, increase our faith, Simultaneous with that, my son got very sick, and again, that would have been May in two thousand of, of uh, sixteen, and he was sick for a year and a half, two thousand fifteen. Sorry. And into 2017, still very sick. We had been through several countries, several hospitals. Very difficult season. As a dad, I did one of the things that was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I literally, I said, God, I just don't see how this is ever going to go better. And I literally, in my heart, you know what? The hardest words I ever said. God, I even wish him the glory for him to be in a better place because he was so sick and just trust me. And yet, in the darkest hour, in the darkest hour, We're in the hospital, and my son, who had not talked for months, who had not eaten anything for months, somehow, I still don't understand it to this day, how how the turning point happened, my son whispered to my wife and said, Mom, I have a question for you. If I have faith, will God heal me? And Andrea looks at him and says, Absolutely. Absolutely. And then he stops and looks at her. And says, can you ask Daddy to come over and command my healing in the name of Jesus? And that request comes to me. And I said, absolutely, I will. Now, you guys understand, again, I'm not overstating it when I say I wish my son to glory. Because we never saw any way out of this thing. He was so, so, so sick. Again, I'll spare all the details. And I went over in the hospital room. I held my wife's hand. And I put my hand on my son. And it was July 10th at 2.40 in the afternoon. And I closed my eyes, and I prayed in the language from Papua New Guinea, and I said, gracious Heavenly Father, I, I didn't say, will you heal my son? I, I, whatever reason, again, these are, this is how God orchestrated it. I said, God, I thank you for the healing that is now taking place in my son. Thank you for healing his eyes. Thank you for healing his ears. Thank you for healing the extreme neurological sensitivities. Thank you for giving strength to his hands. Thank you for the abdominal pain that is intense thank you for taking that away. Thank you for giving. And I just touched every part of his body. And I said, I thank you, Jesus Christ, in your sweet name that you've healed my son. And I went and sat down and it was two minutes later that Cade was healed. And guys, he took the headphones off. No more sensitivities to noise. The visual sensitivities, everything that he had went away. He was very frail. He still needed to stay in the hospital to receive uh, physical and occupational therapy. But he's never gone backwards. And you will see my son to this day, that God has indeed healed my son. And do I say that God will do that every time? I I can't promise that. Why? There was like thousands and thousands of prayers that went up beforehand. And God chose this one moment in history on July 10th at 2.40 in the afternoon where he said, this young man will be healed. And he will be my chosen vessel. And we believe Cade will be used of God mightily. The things God has taught him, I can't share with you here. But I thank you for your prayers. Very much on Cade's behalf. God has healed him. And so now at this time, we as a family are preparing to move to Missouri in July. First of all, I'm going to go back to Papua New Guinea in nine days. Eight days, actually. I'll get on the plane. I'll go to Los Angeles. I'll go to Brisbane. My, son, my oldest son and I. Then we'll go back to Papua New Guinea. And then we'll come back after a little bit, and then we're heading to Missouri to be a part of training new missionaries. In my mind, humanly speaking, I say, God, that was a waste of two years? Time out. Time out. That's so wrong. We get in trouble when we look too much at the things that could be seen, and we forget it's what we can't see. That's where our faith grows. So listen to me. The prayer that we put before the Lord was increase our faith. What do you think has happened two years later? Hello? <laughs> come on hello the faith the faith meter's like gone up but it's not even the faith it's in who the faith is in our faith in jesus christ has grown because it's in the context of life and it happens here but it happens through the difficult seasons of life and what i want to encourage you with this morning don't let go don't let go no matter how difficult things are in your life right now don't let go Keep your confidence and trust in Him because He is a living Savior and He lives within each one of us. Okay, so let's go into now talking about ourselves as a church. And I want to talk about today's sermon. And I'm going to say, staying committed to fulfilling the Great Commission. I am going to move quite fast. I'll watch you guys if I think you're with me. If you're not, feel free to raise your hand if I like just kind of blitz over something. But I want to use the Mariyama context in Papua New Guinea where we were at To talk about what is our responsibility as the church. And staying committed to it. You see, we're all into new programs anywhere and everywhere. It's new, it's new, it's new, it's new. You and I were not saved by anything new. It was the good old gospel story that somebody explained to us. And we trusted it by faith in Jesus Christ that he paid our sin debt in full at Calvary. Amen? And that's not going to change. And also, the great commission he has given us. How many of you have gone to um, Arlington National Cemetery? before and you've seen the soldier back and forth right and they march and then they hand it off and then they say orders remain unchanged my friends the orders remain unchanged and what are those orders that we've been given we have been given to go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to observe all i commanded you and behold i am with you always even to the end of the age. Now, how many times do we receive the Great Commission in Scripture? It's five times, culminating to Acts 1-8. You can go to Mark 16-15. It's in each of the Gospels, and the last one is Acts 1-8. So here it is. How many commands are given to us in the Great Commission? As you look at that verse, how many specific commands are given? The first one is what? We're told to go. All right, so here we are. Go. What is the second command that you guys see? Okay, so we're told to make disciples. There's a second command. So let's make sure we don't shortchange it. My challenge today comes to us as a church, okay, on the great commission that has been given to us to be fulfilled, and then Christ will return. The third command? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Is that it? Nope, the last one. And this is why when we go overseas... We're there for a long time because we're told to teach them to observe. Look at the word there. All I commanded you, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as we evaluate missions, what I am finding more and more right now, there's a fast food mentality to missions. We're very quick. We're very quick to send, to save, to abandon. And it's much like birthing a baby and abandoning the baby. No loving mother would ever do that. Correct? Correct. And so when we have babes in Christ, we teach them to observe all I command, all he commanded. And that is why we spent, and some of you may ask, why did you spend 14 years in church planning? How many languages did you learn? We learned one. How many Bibles did you translate? We translated one. How many people did you work with? A thousand people. You know, and God's gospel has gone forth in an amazing way there, amazing way. And I'll show you today. Was it really worth it? Like for one people group, was it really worth it? Hello? Was it really worth it? Did you really ask that question? No, you didn't because you and I both know it's very, very worth it. So here we are looking forward again, Matthew 28, 19, 20. Let's make sure we understand the mission that has been given to us by him. It is his mission that has been given to us. And a couple more verses. And they sang a song, a new song. If you were to look in uh, Revelation 5, what is the context? Who's singing a song here? They sang a song. It's a church. It's a 24, the 4 and 20 elders. The 24 elders, if you want to know what you're going to be doing in heaven, look right here. This is us, what we're going to be doing for all of eternity to come. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Do we understand When we get to heaven, it's not just going to be in English. We get that, right? There's like a bigger picture, a much bigger picture. And actually that bigger picture is waiting to be filled in. And here's what the bigger picture looks like. Check this one out. That the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. So logically, we should ask ourselves, are we almost there? Like, how close are we? Like, has every language been reached? Okay, so I looked to a sister organization, Wycliffe, called SIL as well. I looked at Wycliffe, and here's what their official stance is of the languages. First of all, we have 7.6 billion people across the face of the earth right now. That is our current population. 7.6 billion people, okay? The known languages, according to SIL and their ethnologue, is 7,097, 7,097 languages across the face of the earth. That's not including different dialects. That's just the main language groups. So, where are we at? Here's where we're at right now. The latest estimate says there are still 4,319 languages in the world with no scripture at all. That's the facts. Not people, language groups. And secondly... There are 5,773 with no New Testament. That is 81%. So the reality is there is a job to be done. And the mission remains unchanged to us, the church. And we get that. We're the ch- This isn't the church. Oh, we're going to church. No, actually, we're the church. We are the church, okay? We're the body of Christ. And it's a living organism. And it's a living organism that is made for reproduction. Just like a family. A mom and dad have children. It's very natural to take place. A church is designed because it's a body of Christ. It is designed for reproduction. That is why, as beautiful as it is to come to church, to be edified, to encourage, to exhort, all those things, they're scriptural. But please... My friends, my brothers and sisters, let's not forget that we have been given a mission by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must fulfill that mission. And we can't become too internally focused where we lose sight of what is going on out there. And here is the big picture. So when we enter into the equation, one very small piece of the puzzle, it's Papua New Guinea where we went to. Of the 7,097 known languages, Papua New Guinea has 851 languages ironically the land mass of papua new guinea is very similar to that of california not bigger it's very similar but the people are cut off in isolation and they're very distinct languages very very distinct languages and so we went to one people group and we went there and i want to tell you guys today how we have been working systematically to fulfill the great commission so we go there and here's australia and just to the north of it is Papua New Guinea. I'm going to show you where we lived for those 15 years from 2001 to 2015. So you fly into an area called Wewak. That's on the coastal town. We have our base there. And after flying to Wewak, next you'll get on a small plane and you'll fly into Madiyama. Now you notice why the whole country is green, right? It's all vegetation. It's all forest. It's all, it's all grasslands. It's nothing like the terrain we have here. And so once we get to Mariyama, we live right here on this lake, and there's four villages, Mariyama, Anganamai, Sevenbuk, and Tadagai. Four villages, one language, and about a 1,000 people living in that people group. And so when we went in there to live with them, we had houses here. You'll notice across the way we have an airstrip that was cut out of the virgin jungle, and that is how we went in and out of the tribe. took a long time making that, but you look at some of the beautiful, the people living across here— Again, there was our house right here, followed by our co-worker's house. There was two of us families that worked together. And we worked together for those 15 years. We started together by God's grace. We finished. Each of our families had a lot of health issues, medevax malaria. I mean, prolonged malaria. Their son had a brain tumor. Um, my wife had extreme health issues. Cade had health issues back then. By God's grace, we're allowed to continue and finish up the work. So just take a look at some of the beautiful pictures. There was a house we lived in. For all that time, Uh, again, it did us well. We had solar panels. You guys, uh, we had batteries that we would live off of. Uh, We collected rainwater. Again, if you look around, there's no McDonald's. Like, hey, where are we going to go out to eat today? (laughs) To this swamp or to that mountaintop? You know, that's what we had to offer. Nothing more. But we had a beautiful people that we worked with. And so here's our two families. The most recent picture that we took in 2016, 2015, sorry, right when we were together for the last time in there. And so you see, my oldest son, my wife Andrea, and there's our coworkers, Mark and Holly. We were always best of friends. Thank you, Lord. They were best of friends. They had uh, one girl. We had one girl. She's hiding somewhere in here, Sophia. They were best of friends. Our oldest sons, like there's like besties, as they you know all over the place. It was just thank you, thank you, God, that we're able to work with this family. And I'll uh, keep this moving ahead. Yeah, I got to put a couple of these pictures in, like you know, cool things. Like you, got, you like bats, right? Can you imagine going there and swinging sticks and, no, is that, anybody think it's cool? All right, yeah? Okay, so what we do is we'd stand outside a cave, and we'd swing at these bats, and I know it seems really cruel, you know, but it's not, because the people live off the land. We have our fridges we live out of, so some of you are getting grossed out. Okay, we'll look to a better picture. Okay, so we kill large crocodiles. This is a small one. It's an 11-footer. And again, everything that people kill, it's because they eat, because they don't have electricity in their houses, and so... These are just cool little things and you got to make fun pictures right my head sticks his son sticks his head into the gator's mouth it's dead of course there's Carson and yeah fun fun times we had a lot of fun with them but remember it's not just fun for the sake of having fun we have a goal in mind and so we're going there and we're fulfilling the great commission and so we live with the people here's their lives here is what a typical mom would do when she has gives birth to a child there's no hospitals there they would literally go out in the jungle and they would, you know what, have their baby. They'd be back in the house serving the husband very quickly. Guys, absolutely. The people's culture without Christ. You know, we asked them about love. We thought like, you know, how do you love your wife? And the guys would look at us, love our wives. We don't love our wives. They're property to us. If our wives don't cook for us, we beat them. That's what we can do culturally. We're like, what? And pre-gospel. Don't look at me like, are your elders and deacons? No, they're not doing that now. But this is who they were. Okay. And so we spend time with them, getting to know them. They love their children. They don't love their wives. And we hang on to that one because obviously it'll be a teaching point later. So we study their life cycle from birth all the way through each stage. We spend time with them in their celebrations. Here's how they would dress up for a literacy graduation. Very different than how we would, you know, how we're dressed up today. Um, living with the people, Earning the right one day to be able to speak the gospel message because you have loved on them for all those years. And here's a young guy going into the the man's house, the spirit house. What's going to happen when he enters in? They're going to cut him up brutally all over his chest. They're going to cut him all over his back. So if you look carefully, you're going to see the cut marks already there because they have to cut the mother's bad blood out. And cutting the bad blood out allows him to enter into manhood because mom's bad blood makes no sense but that's how the people as animists live their lives living in fear never having a peaceful night of sleep always anticipating there's going to be a spirit a bush spirit or a spirit of the jungle and and they would never go anywhere by themselves who's going to kill them never ever ever did they go off by themselves that's how the people live their lives until of course we get in there have fun with them learning the language learning the culture earning the right there's my tribal mom we were adopted in her name is Sophia as well beautiful lady And guys, one of the saddest scenes before the gospel, when you go to their funerals, how do you even explain when there is no hope at all? Here in America, you know what, we mask it. Oh, he's a good person, and he this, that, and whatever. And, you know, we try to present some kind of an optimistic picture for this this person who's deceased. There, there's no hope. They beat each other because the spirits did this, and they want to stop the whole thing. And there's giving of gifts back and forth, and it's a really ugly, ugly picture and so we are with them for all those years learning. And then eventually we get to the making disciples part. So for us, while we're making disciples through modeling how I love my wife, how I treat my children, how we relate to the coworkers, how we are with the people, we actually move into formally literacy. So we take a group of people, they are completely illiterate, and we teach them how to read and write. Why do you think we start there? Anybody? They can read the Bible. And what Bible? Okay, where is that coming from? Am I handing them the English Bible and saying, here you go, we're teaching you English? Yeah, we're translating the Bible for them. And so simultaneous to this, while we start literacy, my co-worker started literacy, I jumped into translation and we started preparing lessons for the time we'd teach them. But we wanted to have literates so they could teach what we're translating. They could read what we're translating. And so that's how we got started in 2007. And you're going to see some of the folks that are sitting around. Again, I'm going to put, I think this is a video. It has sound. Hopefully it'll work. If not, we'll jump through it. It'll be okay. Try it. Oh, that's all right. We'll skip over that one. And after we have literacy, here's the most beautiful thing that happens. The day of teaching comes, 2008. We have translated over 1,000 verses. We have two literacy classes run. We've prepared lessons. We're not starting in John 3:16. We're starting in who God is, because if they don't come to God as creator, they will not come to Jesus as Redeemer. And so we started with God. And for one week, all we did was taught who God is. We taught through creation. And then we spent time with them asking. And we decided if they did not come to God as creator, we were going to reteach creation again. And here's what happened. The village as a whole started coming up the mountain in the afternoons and looking around and just sizing things up, very uncharacteristic. And so we asked them, what are you guys doing? And they said, they said here's what's funny. God's always been here. We never knew it. We've never once thanked God that he's given us all these trees. He's given us the lake with fish in it. He's given us everything. And we have been stealing from God and never thanking him. I thought, wow, guys, listen, the hearts are prepared now for the gospel message to come. Amen. Because they've come to God as creator. And so this entourage comes up beating on drums. They get us a, a processional. They take us down into the teaching house. And this is a group that's waiting for us. And if the video is going to play properly, if not, that's fine. We'll go through it. I want to show you the actual teaching that took place in 2008 when the church was birthed for the first time in this people group. And we'll give it a shot here. Try this one more time. I don't think I should do that. I think I should be patient. Maybe try the forward button on my computer and see if that gets us going. There we go. Maybe we'll get volume. We're just kind of trialing and airing it here. And so what they're doing, and again, if if it doesn't work, that's fine with the volume. But we are dramatizing the the death, burial, resurrection of Christ while we teach them every step of the way. Because we found that our people needed to see it. When they saw it, it really made sense to them what we were teaching them. So, what we have, um, again, you can see it's very graphic to the people. This was the promised Messiah that we had taught three months every day. Every day for three months. And here he is dying before their eyes. They didn't get it. How does salvation come through death? They would get it. The music was not going then. I put the music on for the How is this part of salvation? He's hitting nails in right between his fingers. People don't see what's going on, but it's very, very graphic. they take a spear and they stab it into a balloon of red dye and the blood flows and when they see the blood they go back to the Passover they go back to Abraham and Isaac they think through the promise of the coming Redeemer and watch the people again it's so intense here Up there, and what results is, guys, incredible. There's 300 people in there listening to the teaching from day one through the three months coming to the end. And the reason we took so long, we cannot just give Jesus Christ and add it on. Jesus has to replace, has to replace the worldview, the animistic worldview. And so afterwards, we spent time going through the whole village, talking to every person in the village. And we had 100 people that professed faith in Jesus Christ, and the church was born, and it was so beautiful. And the dirty diapers that resulted sometimes were not so beautiful because they don't. There's no like instant maturity button that poofle, You know, a ten year old will display immature behaviors, and that's where the church is even right now. But there's a massive growth curve. And that is why we lived with them after this point for another seven years. Establishing the church. Telling them how Ephesians tells us we're to love our wives like Christ loves his wife, us, the bride of Christ. And he sacrifices life for her. And so here we are. What's, are we in the going stage? Or are we in the making disciples? Are we baptizing? What stage are we in? Not yet. That's coming. We're still making disciples. And starting to move into, of course, the teaching them to observe all I commanded you. So we're going to just hammer our way through this. Here's some of the disciples that look at the beauty of this little young kid, Nico, as he professes Christ after hearing the teaching. That's your brother in the Lord. You will see him in eternity to come. And the testimonies all had a similar... then, I was a sinner, I was going to hell, until I trusted Christ as my personal savior, and the reality is, here's the first Mariyama person that ever died, that died and opened heaven's gates for the Mariyama people. They knew it! They were like, you know what? This is like the first person that had confessed faith in Jesus Christ and died. And we know went to heaven. And here's a couple others. My tribal brother, Sepanus, he died. He had cancer. I can tell you story after story. For time's sake, I'm going to keep blitzing through. My two tribal fathers, um, they passed away in the meantime as well. A strong, strong um, testimony. Here we are into baptizing. We don't baptize right away. We spend time teaching through the book of Acts what baptism is. But here's be- the beautiful thing of teaching baptism. Just look at the joy on their faces. <laughs> Baptizing two of our children right there in the jungle. That's exactly how they wanted it. It was awesome, so we did that. He took a free-for-all, if you (laughs) notice. If we can see that, oh, look at that one. Anyways, he did a premature drop there. He didn't let them lower him in. But just look at this, guys. Is this not beautiful? Such a joy to be a part of. Passing the baton. Not us doing all the baptism. No, not at all. We started, we passed the baton to them. So now we start teaching them to observe all I commanded you. And so now the funeral services look a lot different. And here is one of the funeral services from one of the elders in the church. This is Pastor Janeton right here. He lost his daughter, she got bit by a snake. A death adder her and died. Sophia. Yep. Sophia. Sophia. But just look at it. It's so different than what I described earlier. Just tap some pictures for letters, too. Sadness? Hello, of course. But not like the world grieves, who has Sophia, no hope. Right. Go up and head. Go up and head. Wait, Here they are worshiping the Lord. Sounds different than us, but so beautiful, so beautiful. I'll, cut, I'll just cut some of these short. Here they are doing a Christmas, um, oh, nice, a Christmas nice, play. Nice. Uh, the, uh, beautiful, people. so beautiful. <laughs> that's the Bride of Christ right there. <laughs> One from every tongue and tribe and nation and hey, people. will we'll be there. Serious, Is it really worth it? Like, is it really worth it? Staying committed, staying committed to fulfilling the great commission. And again, it comes as an encouragement and it comes as a challenge because I know it's easier at times to put our head down and to walk to our car and to not think about all that. And then to get out of our car and to keep our head down and go into our house and to really, you know what, you know what, slide into even comfort mode. It is easy. And it can happen to me, and I'm sure it can happen to you. But again, let's understand, the job's not done. Because if it were done, the Lord Jesus Christ would have surely returned by now. But there will be one from every tongue and tribe and nation and people. So the orders remain unchanged, my dear brothers and sisters. So here's a couple more. Another blessing. Is my wife getting involved, Mark's wife getting involved, spending time with the people. It's part of discipleship. Ladies talking about lady things, guy about guy things, family about family things, teens about teen things. It's a family based ministry as we spend time with the people. And so, even with teaching, as you take a look at the, the passing of the baton that takes place. Okay. <laughs> Powerful speaker right there, guys. One point in Verse 7, one of my translation helpers there. And here's another beautiful thing. Remember, we don't go and hang on to things. Part of fulfilling the Great Commission is actually entrusting the work to them. 2 Timothy 2 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And here's what that looks like as we're starting to bring closure to our time in the tribal church plant. We're ordaining leaders, elders in the church, deacons, and here is a I think a powerful you're gonna see tears from my coworker, tears of me. Marking the elders. And Mark and I stepped out. Those are now the elders of the church. And now we trust them. And they're going to be um, uh, appointing the deacons now in the next part of this picture. Think about the long-term commitment that this is. As sending churches and as missionaries. Look at each one of these guys. They go up there. It's not staged. The tears that come, they never cried ever, the men. cuss men. Look at the tears, though. they be, become tender men now. Very tender men. So, if you see the body, one them kind, I'm just to blow my name, Everyone blind, in Guys, you're talking about, um, one of the things that I want to be very, very careful uh, when I, that to say, and then I have a couple, just a couple things left here. some of the families, and then I'll show you the end times there. Um, God is not asking all of us, every one of us in here to go. He's not, okay? I think what God is asking us, a couple of things though. Are we willing to go? Do you understand the difference? I'm not saying, will you go? but are you willing to go i'm bringing a report from overseas the job's not done and i think the starting point if i were pastor of a church i would just make sure that we maintain a strong intentional prayer focus and asking god that he'll keep using us and, and that that's it right there you see no one goes out of obligation because you have to you go because the spirit of god is telling you you know what He's put a burden in your heart, and you need to go. And for us, we needed to go. And so for me to come and say, you need to go, or, or you need to go, that, that's not my part in coming today. It's to encourage you, but it's also to challenge you. Will you, as a congregation, keep praying for those who do not have hope? Don't, don't forget, you know, I just wanna, I want us to raise our eyes to the horizon and re-realize... The fact that the job is not done, that there are still thousands of people group that have zero representatives in heaven. And they're looking to us to stay committed to fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what I'm asking you. Will you individually keep praying? And are you willing? And watch what God will do You know what? Some folks so beautiful have go over and they serve part time. They do awesome stuff. There are some that go full time. There are electricians. There are people who run stores. There are gals who go over and babysit for kids so that the people can be on language learning. Just be faithful. But when God lights a flame in your heart, do it, whatever it is. Just make sure you are faithful for right now, in all honesty, I want to go back to Papua New Guinea. I desperately do. My family does, and God is not wanting us to. He's put a burden to go to Missouri, as I mentioned, to teach at the training center. So what are we going to do? At this point, it becomes, can I say this? It becomes sin. That's crazy, isn't it? It becomes sin to go back to Papua New Guinea, because that's not a part of God's will for our lives. And so we're letting go of that. We'll keep going back part-time, but we're going to refocus our efforts now in Missouri for training new missionaries. Okay, here's some of the families Sometimes you wonder, what do the families look like? There they are. You know, I don't know exactly how the size of families are all here, but good Lancaster County-type families, you know. A bunch of kiddos. Uh, Lambert, one, two, he has another one that's ready. Uh, he has six kids. Beautiful families. These are all the leaders in the church. Henry, he's a pastor in training right now. And uh, there's Pastor Kenno. Beautiful family. Large families. And um, one of the things that we've left out, is how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, Romans 10, 15. The one thing that we have not talked about yet is what about the church now starting to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission to other villages and other language groups. And so here's what happens. As they go, they need to understand the precious truth in Matthew 28, 19, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. They have to understand that that's for them as well. So here's what happens. They go themselves. So they load up in canoes, in double canoes, dugout dug out canoes, and they go to the next village. And take a look at, at how, this, how this is. A lot different than us. And they go, and guess what they do? The gospel presentation right here. So here they are. He's portraying Jesus, of course. The dog wants his part. And there's my co-worker, a couple of the key believers there. and They're beating him. The message does not change. And this is second village now, where the believers from our home village are reaching out to the second one. And, of course, he's dead. Here they are taking him off the cross. They don't put him in a cave. They're going to put him in a... a Uh, What do you call it? Coconut leaves surrounded a little area there. Again, we do it very culturally there. So take a look at there is Jesus who is dead. Teaching again each step. There's the cave. (laughs) None of that is around, so we had to do it that way. And once again, the church is established there. Uh, we're privileged to complete the, the translation of the New Testament, still working on the old, and here is the day where we were giving them God's word in their language, and guys, it was one of the most precious times to be able to take God's word and actually give it to them. And there's a couple of the guys, and this is the last three minute video. I have two pictures and then I'm done. So just last video here. Stuff was awesome, long long man. How me blabbing stuff? Me been stuff was a calabus. Me blabbing or oh, kind, kind, something he been Bagrabbi me blow or get on, pen, plenty sick. Me blabbing, hope in mine, a, a road dog. Oh. Me I pass is controlling my pass. We try to go We system. This <laughs> is <laughs> system, we have stop. Because... God is going to come inside. Gori is going Tokyo, to that through, Come through. He, he you me from life. It's a lot of emotions you know obviously we spent a lot of time with these guys we've seen the hand of the Lord immensely and to actually get to this point where we could take God's word and give it to our friends. You know what? There's truly no words to describe it. It's uh, overwhelming. It's a joy to, to be here and to see the Lord do His work and to see these the lives of the people the change lives. Now that's that's the best. Part. It is awesome. It's a uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful day to day. Phenomenal thing just happened in the Baguido history. Yeah. Right after that, in 2015, we came home for what we believed was a regular furlough and um, said a lot of goodbyes. Here they are, the leadership team surrounding us. They're praying over us, blessing us. It's so awesome. And there we are. Um, let's go back to that one, saying goodbyes. And we really believed in 2015. We'd be going back in 2016. And as I mentioned to you guys, God redirected us and is now sending us to Missouri to be a part of training. Um I want to come here, and I want to encourage you guys. I do. I want to encourage you guys. I want to say it's worth it to keep going on. And I want to encourage, and I want to exhort, and I want to do both. And so I, I just ask each one of you that has come today, who God has brought. And again, Paul, you didn't know me from the man on the moon, but you allowed me. And I want to say thank you again. I, I come here before you. Okay, and I prayed much about what I should share today, and, and this is where the Lord took me, and I really believed that this message was for us for today. And so I guess I pray in my heart, you know what, I don't know how God's going to use it, but I just ask you to be faithful, that you keep pressing on, and, and don't please don't look at me, would you please... That's a danger. I'd almost rather be hiding in a box and just talking this thing through so you don't attach what happened there to any man because it's not about any man. It's not about any families. It is what the Lord Jesus Christ did and all he asked us to do was to go. And so going there was not laborious because it was his plan for our lives. And so what you're doing, do it with all your heart. But keep praying. Keep praying for the lost. Don't lose the vision because the job is not done. That's what I do want to say. It's not done. And so we've got to keep pressing on. We can't go into a cocoon and just think inwardly. If you're 85 years old, you're 45, you're 25. God has a plan and you're to play a part of reaching this world. Whether it be your neighbor, whether it be when you go to the gas pump, whether it be in the store or whether it be going wherever it be going. I want to encourage you all. Just keep being faithful. Keep pressing on. Thank you for being so kind, giving a listening ear. I love you all in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if I'll see you all on this side of eternity, but surely on that side. And I look forward to comparing stories of what he did in your lives. And by God's grace, what he'll do in our lives as we keep pressing on. If you want to be a part of our prayer support team, you can see Nevin. Uh, I brought some prayer cards. Uh, Again, no pressure. But love the prayers we need those we we rode those the last season last 2 years of extreme desperate need in our lives with our son I'll close in prayer and I'll give it back to you Paul okay Father God we just want to we want to listen well God we're busy people God, we're so busy and we're not quiet enough often, God. You know, I think I'm scared of my own life, of becoming so busy, even doing right things, but for wrong motivation. And so, God, I pray that we would walk away from here, maybe as much or more than anything. Just step back, step back, make sure we're hearing you well because we want to be led we don't want to be driven self-driven god that's that's not it that leads to pride but being led that's what it's all about because that leads to your glory and so i pray for pastor paul as he gives direction to your children here and i know he's a humble man i've heard plenty of stories of his i believe it's 13 years of serving here and i pray for continued strength for vision for him with the other elders for the leadership team as they continue to press on. And I just want to say thank you so much for glorifying your name in and through each person that is here. And God, the job's not done, so you're going to keep stirring their hearts to be a part of your plan, and I just commit them. And I pray that they would listen so well, God. And again, we just rejoice today. It is a day to rejoice at what you have done amongst one people, one people group. But God, there's so much more to be done, so we just keep looking to you. And uh, thank you, God, in Jesus Christ's name.